today. And uh, you know I've never gotten so many compliments on how I'm dressed as when I dress like someone else. So I'm not sure what that says about me uh, or maybe about Bill. I got to take this fake mustache off. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not going to stick. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm excited to preach today. Um, we're going to be uh, talking about John chapter 1. A chunk of it we're going to talk about who Jesus is. Uh, we're going to talk about what a response should be. Um, the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell a similar story uh, of Jesus' ministry here on earth and his subsequent death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, but for, for Matthew, Mark, and Luke, their introductions, they, they focus on the human life of Jesus uh, the, the human origin there, and John, though, takes a different path. He focuses more on the divinity of Christ. Um, and uh, I, I found it interesting because, you know, to me, uh, this is a really good way to approach it. John is about to tell you all these incredibly important things, and, I mean, I guess they all kind of do it, but um, his approach is, well, let me tell you why all this stuff I'm about to say matters so much. Why all of this is so important. You know, if you've got a problem, and we recognize that as humans we do, we have a sin problem, um, you want someone to fix it that's an expert. Well, well, John says, I don't just know the expert. That's not just who I'm going to tell. I'm going to talk to you about the creator. He made this whole thing, and that's why you should put some weight behind uh, what he does there. So let's read, starting with John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in the opening, John, John does a few different things, and first of all, he connects us all the way back to Genesis 1, verse 1. The, the same wording we see in Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, it, it's the same idea there in John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. And this first verse establishes three very important things about who Jesus is. The first is Jesus has been around since the beginning. Okay? In the beginning, God. In the beginning was the Word. Same phrasing there. Jesus was always in the plans. Jesus was always a part of everything that God was doing. It's not like how we come about, right? I, I did not exist in the beginning. God knit me together in my mother's womb and I was born in February of 1988. Jesus was born at a certain time, yes, but Jesus existed far before his earthly birth. God, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus didn't come into existence when God placed him in Mary's womb. He was already around. He'd already been there since the beginning. He had been a part of the plan since the very beginning. I need to move this mic. I'm sorry. It's bugging me. Probably bugging you and Drew's probably up there figuring out what do I do to fix this, but that helps, right? All right, so since Jesus, since the word was from the beginning, it means that he is eternal. That is a very important fact uh, about him. The second is Jesus was with God. The, the original language here used means this is a very close an intimate relationship. It is not just, well, he was sitting next to God. It, there, is, there is more to it than that. It establishes Jesus as the most closely and most intimately connected with God that someone can be. 
Jesus isn't just there side by side. He is intimately connected with God. So he is the foremost authority on what God is like. John, to say it again, I have the expert. Let me tell you about him. So when John shares all of Jesus' teachings later, Jesus is an authority like no other on what God has to say about things. There is no better source of knowledge about God's heart and his mind and his love than Jesus Christ, who has been with him since the beginning. This also establishes Jesus as being unique from God. But also, number three, Jesus was God. And he still is, and he still is with God, and all these things. Jesus was there at the beginning. He was with God in the beginning, and he was God from the beginning. These, these are three foundational truths of our Christian faith right there in the first verse of John. Jesus has been there with God and fully being God since the beginning because that's who he is. I think sometimes we lose sight of who Jesus is. We maybe get to know him when we're young and we see him as this, he, he's a comfortable, uh, he, he's loving, he's forgiving, he's our savior. Um, and he is, but that's not all that he is. He's also fully God. He was there at the creation of the universe. John 10, 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And I think sometimes we kind of, separate the two out we have jesus our savior and we have god the the judge the creator all these things we think of jesus as this soft cuddly friend who loves and he comforts and he saves and god is up there kind of the authority figure but that's that's not really the right way to look at it because jesus says i and the father are one they're one and the same and i think john is trying to do the same thing here with his introduction let's read verses two and three now uh, again, a reminder, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Again, reiterating, Jesus was with God in the beginning. Jesus is eternal. Jesus is separate from God, but also with God. Clear as mud, right? Um, but then in verse 3, he emphasizes Jesus was there creating too. We're going to read on verses 4 and 5 now. <clears throat> in him was life, in Jesus was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus and God, the source of life. He's the source of light. He's the source of all that is good. And John tells us that the light shines in the darkness. No, no matter how dark things get, Jesus always shines brighter. That, that light is always stronger. And, it, and John reminds us the darkness has not, will not, cannot overcome it. Other translations say the darkness has not understood the light. Because what does darkness know about light? Darkness is the absence of the light. You know, what, is, what does evil know about good? Nothing. They, they don't understand it. They can't overcome it. It makes sense that these things can't understand Jesus. It makes sense that they can't overcome Jesus because they don't compare. They're not as good. They're not as strong. They're not as powerful. So no matter how awful this world gets, and it is in so many ways, the light is better. The light is stronger. It will always overcome the darkness. Then John spends a few verses telling us about a different John, John the Baptist, verses 6 through 8. 
He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. And so John, the apostle, writes of John the Baptist that he was first of all a man sent by God. John the Baptist was not an ordinary man. He had a specific purpose uh, that, was, that was greater than your average person. He, he knew all about Jesus and he was there to proclaim him until it was time for him to step aside and Jesus to take over uh, in ministry. <clears throat> and his purpose was to testify to the light, right? And our text here is careful to point out in verses 8 and 9, John the Baptist is not the light. He's good, but he's not Jesus. He separates him from Christ because he was just a witness to the light that would come. And, and I was reading this, and I was thinking that John is kind of trying to, to, to cut something off that might become a problem later on. He's pointing out that, you know, we don't want John the Baptist to be elevated right there with Jesus. We don't want to compare the two because there is no comparison. There's Jesus, and then there's everybody else. And John the Baptist, as great as he was, as, as, as special as he was, as sent by God as he was, was not Jesus Christ. He does not compare. So he doesn't want John the Baptist held to a higher standard than he should have been. Yes, he was sent by God, but he was still just a man. He was still just a witness to the light, not the light itself. You know, there, there's people that we look to and we respect and we admire and, and we hold in high esteem. And I, and I think there's a lot of people uh, in this church and elsewhere that are worthy of that. Absolutely. But we have to keep the perspective that they're not Jesus. There is still a separation. There is still a difference uh, between them. They're still human. They still fail. All right. Bill is a wonderful wonderful preacher and I thank God that I get to be here and I get to work from, with him and I get to learn from him but he's still a man he still has his failings he will not do everything right as hard as he tries because he's not Jesus I, I can hold him up to a certain standard but he's going to fall short when compared with Jesus in every single person every single pastor every single person that you meet is going to fall short in comparison to Jesus, just like John the Baptist did. And, and we might hold people up to the standard. We might think, wow, they're like a super Christian, and I, I should be just like them. But then what happens if they fail? Because we've seen over and over in, in the American church these, these pastors that have gained these enormous followings, and then you find out, oh, they did some really terrible stuff behind the scenes. Because they're human. And, and for some people, if they have gotten that relationship wrong, if they have held this, this person, this man, in higher esteem than they've held Jesus, well, then that can wreck their faith. That can cause some big issues. And, and that can cause people to maybe even uh, lean towards a faith that, that isn't in Jesus, but instead in a person. That's a big problem. John says, we don't want to do that. We don't want to hold a person up to the light because they're going to fall short. We have to have that separation. 
he was establishing the difference between Jesus and one of the very best men who ever lived, someone not just sent by God, but someone who was faithful to the point of his own death. John the Baptist was good, and especially by human standards, but he doesn't compare to Jesus. There's no exceptions to Romans 3.23 that says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, except for Jesus Christ. All right, sorry. Jesus is the only one worth putting our hope in. Jesus is the only one who's not going to let us down. So we want to put our trust in him. And John's going to remind us why he's worth putting our trust in here in the next few verses. Starting with verse 9, he says, excuse me. He says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Jesus is coming. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Keep going with verse 12 there, that next slide. He says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And these first couple verses, they they really set up uh, the end of that passage really well. Uh, think about it, if if you made these big plans, you have some big extravagant gift or trip or event or whatever planned for somebody else, and, and just think, okay, it's it's in the works for a long time. There's been so much put into this, and, and it's about time for it to happen. And you're spending time with them, and all of a sudden, they start being a jerk. They're talking bad about you. They're they're treating you poorly. They call you a liar. They talk down about you to everyone who will listen. They try to make you look bad. They question you. They, 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 They whisper all these rumors about you. Then maybe they falsely accuse you and they kill you on the cross. Okay, so maybe that last part is uh unique to Jesus and something that we can't relate to, but The rest of that, if someone starts treating you terribly and you've got this big, huge, grand plan that's about to pull off, something wonderful for them, are you going to want to give it to them? I mean, I I know for me, if if I have some big, wonderful thing planned for my kids and then they start acting like fools and they're, you know, being awful to each other and awful to to me and Whitney and, and things like that. If they started acting like that, I'd say, you know what, it's going back. We're just... We're not going to do that. We'll, we'll sell the, the giant toy. We'll, you know, get rid of our tickets, whatever it is, right? You're going to say, you know, I'm just going to take it back. Or, or I'm going to keep this for myself. You don't get it now. Th- this gift that I had in mind, you, you blew it. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus was treated about as terribly as you can possibly imagine. How many of us in Jesus' shoes would have said, I'm fed up, forget it, you guys are on your own. You can keep going with your sacrifices, you can, you can try and figure out all the ways of the Old Testament, and I'm not going to the cross. Forget you, you guys don't deserve it. 
course, we never did in the first place. Jesus, thank him for this, he's so much better than us. He didn't decide that we weren't worth it. The creator of the universe came down to his creation, and they overwhelmingly rejected him, and yet he still says, I love you enough to do this anyway. He gave us the right to become children of God. Verse 12, all we got to do, we got to receive him, we got to believe in his name. We, and part of receiving him, we know here, uh, is we confess our sin, we repent, we turn away from that sin. Uh, we, be, we get baptized in obedience with the scriptures. We do what Jesus called us to do. And in verse 14, can, can you imagine being one of the ones at that time who, who got it? You got to sit there and learn from the Son of God. You got to sit at his feet and watch him teach and watch him perform these miracles. Can you imagine being the ones that got it? And how priceless it must have been. Oh, I got to be with him. One of the early followers of Jesus who got to look the son of God in the eye. Got to watch him heal and teach. Who got to watch him rise from the dead. What a privilege that must have been. It wasn't easy. Okay. Especially the, the disciples. Most of them died for their faith. Quite brutally in many cases. Especially after Jesus ascended into heaven. Everything got even harder from that point. But they got to experience the glory of God right here on earth. There are a lot of people who saw that same glory. They saw those same miracles. They spoke with him. They saw him heal. They may have seen him after he rose from the dead. And they still chose not to believe. There, there will be people that know everything they need to know and see everything that they need to say and still say, not for me. They'll still choose their own way, which will lead to their destruction. The Bible tells us the truth. There will even be people who, who think that they're on the right path, who think that they are doing what Jesus wants them to do. That he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. That's scary. I don't, I don't worry about that for myself. I, I feel very confident in my faith and that I am grounded in God's word and living according to it the best that I can. But it's a scary thought that there are people who, who think they're following Jesus and they're not. The word doesn't live among us in the flesh any longer. But those of us who believe do have the spirit, which gives us the ability to reflect the glory of God to those around us. We have God's written word to know what to do and how to live and everything that, that will be uh, expected of us and, and all the information that we need to share uh, with those people who don't know him. Some people still won't accept that free gift. They won't believe in him. They won't become children of God. But those of us who have, I would hope, are moved by this passage of Scripture and emboldened to share Christ because of who he is. Look, like John tells us, this is who Jesus is. And then he goes on with his gospel. 
He says, this is who Jesus is. This is what he did, and it should move us to take some action. I think there, there are four things that we can remember about who Jesus is, and, and then four things we do uh, because of who Jesus is. So we need to remember that Jesus is eternal. Okay? He, he's been around since the beginning, and, and, he's, and he's with God, having been with God since the beginning, and he is God since the beginning, and he's the light of life. Okay, We live in a dark world, but we have this light that gives life. Man, we got to do something with it. So our response, there, there's four, I think there's four appropriate responses depending on where we're at. We first, we repent. We, we recognize our sin, say, Jesus, I need you, and I don't want to be that person anymore. I don't want to go through another day of my life without you. We learn who Jesus is, and, and, and that should help us to learn that we're not good, but Jesus is, and, and that we should turn from our old ways, and we should follow him. And I think that very naturally leads us to response number two, which is worship. Because of who Jesus is, we worship him, we praise him, we gather together on Sunday mornings and we study his word uh, and we get together on Wednesday nights and in small groups throughout the week and we do all these things because of who Jesus is. We worship him, we let him change every aspect of our life because he's Jesus, he's good. Not just through song, not just here in the church, but in our life and in our actions and, and with great joy in all that we do. There, really sh- there, there shouldn't be any unpleasant Christians because we have Jesus Christ in us. We should be the best people in the world to be around. Our third response is to serve because Jesus all throughout the Gospels is constantly serving people. He is meeting them where they're at. He is meeting their needs. He, he is washing the disciples' feet at the Last Supper. The one person worthy of being served made himself the servant to everyone else. You know, we've got uh, a board out there uh, with some cards in it that has different volunteer opportunities around the church. Knocking things down here. Uh, we've got stuff that we can sign up for in the hallway all the time. We have uh, missions that I'm sure, uh, you know, if you reach out or, or if you want to get involved in something that they're doing, you can, you know, contact the church, contact Jerry and Cindy, they're the head of our missions team. Um, these things you can get involved and you can serve and you can do um, all kinds of things because and we know who Jesus is and that should move us to act that should move us to do something but it's not just inside the church there's ways to serve at work there's ways to serve at home there's ways to serve people in our community there are all kinds of things that we can do to be the example of Jesus Christ to those around us Our fourth response is to share. And Dave, you can come up for uh, our last song here. If we know who Jesus is, uh, we should be like Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 when they say, we can't help but share what Jesus has done. We should have opportunities all around us to show Jesus has changed my life. Jesus has made me someone completely different than who I used to be. And it's the greatest thing ever. If there's a decision to make today, if there's something that you need to pray about, 
uh, let's do that. Let's not wait now. Um, you know, Bill's here. Jim's in the back. Uh, there, there's all kinds of elders. Greg's back there. There's, you know, 75% of this room would be more than happy, I'm sure, to pray with you, to help you do whatever you need. It's not just those who are currently serving as leaders, but it's, it, it's all of us as the body of Christ that we can help each other uh, do what needs to be done. <clears throat> Any decision you need to make, now's a good time to make it. But we're going to worship, um, you know, one of those appropriate responses to Jesus. We're going to worship, and we're going to go have a great day, and I hope that we will go and, and share what Jesus has done. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you for what you've done. Uh, first and foremost among that, sending Jesus Christ to be our example that is better than anyone or anything else this world has, has to offer and has ever seen. Uh, we just pray that we would respond appropriately and that we would live in a way that reflects our love for him full of worship and service and sharing that with others. God, we're so grateful for what you have given us, and we just pray that that would play out in everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.